Welcome to another episode of Don't Give Up Skeleton. I'm your host, Jeremy Greer. This week's guest is Aegon of Astora. If you've spent any time on YouTube looking for Dark Souls lore, you probably know Aegon already. Um, it was a really great opportunity to get a chance to talk to him and discuss a bunch of Dark Souls lore. Uh, we caught up with each other on the day that the Ring City DLC was released. So if you listen after the uh, credits at the very end, we talk a little bit more in detail uh, about where we are and stuff like that. So kind of interesting to get that firsthand perspective. Remember, uh, iTunes really helps the show. So if you can uh, hook me up with some iTunes reviews, that would be really, really great. But until then, just enjoy the episode. let me know and i'll close the window but okay I'll, where are you in the if you don't mind me asking in the dlc uh i have you finished it so that we don't have to worry about like that's that's what i was wondering okay, uh, yeah, I'm I, at, I, I haven't finished it um so i've got neither two, have i okay um let's be i've very got to a second <laughs> boss which has two sort of well there's there's one primary uh okay. I haven't seen a second boss at all. So okay, uh, all right. So I, I'll, I'll I fought the it first boss, and then um, I I fought what definitely I thought was going to be a boss. Uh, that is that that would didn't have like a boss bar, and then I killed it, and it dropped down into a hole, and I didn't get any souls for it. So I can only assume that I've pissed it off. I'm gonna have to go down and like kill it for real this time. So interesting. Um, yeah, it's funny, funny. Both of us trying to dance around the spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> have you encountered? Any of the NPC, any NPC invaders yet? Yes, um, I saw one with. Uh, let's see, he had like a crossbow and a okay, uh, um, a curved sword, and he yeah, was kind Alva. Of, right? It wasn't, no, it wasn't Alva. It was like something the Seeker. It was like Sin the Seeker, Se- Seeker of the Spurned. Yeah, there you go. Um, and uh, which I think is Alva, especially based on the armor set we find near there, right? I, that's the only thing that I could think of, um, but I, I don't know for sure. And I'm, I'm like, it's so weird. Because why so wouldn't much... it just because he's called Alva elsewhere in the game, right? Ex- so exactly. It wouldn't yeah, just, yeah. Uh, there's so much weird stuff. There's in the so DLC much Dark so Souls far. two stuff. Like, there's like you're yep. literally in Earth and Peak. Like, what the hell? Yep. What a what a weird choice that that all is. Uh, and I found yeah. another one that was a I found a Silver Knight invader. Did you see that? Yes, that's okay. the fucking Jared Leto, the the Silver Knight invader. Dude, I I that dude killed me like six or seven times, and I don't oh, know thank why. God, I'm not alone. He just has well, like infinite poise or infinite whatever. poise, <laughs> infinite poise. And and I was like, okay, I, I want to go see what's behind him, so I'm not going to ember because and so as I'm so I'm doing this all like I'm recording this for YouTube, right? So. It's like doubly frustrating because, you know, I have to think of things to talk about while I'm like getting frustrated. And this was yesterday or I guess this morning at like six in the morning because I was thinking, okay, I'll just hammer it all out in one night. No problem. No problem. Until A, I got to the first boss, which killed me like eight times. And then when I I got the Silver Knight Jared Leto, which I've taken to calling him. And yeah, just ridiculous because so i'm complaining about the fact that the npcs ever since dark souls 2 the invaders they don't follow the same rules that the player does exactly and then i come across this guy and i'm like it's okay i'll just i'll just not ember and see what what he's guarding and then i get there and he invades anyway yeah he totally invades you while you're hollow (laughs) so does the other guy too by the way like the other because i haven't been i haven't embered up since i've got to the ring city yet Um, so like all the i guess all of the npc invasions um yep I haven't seen. I saw two NPC summons for the uh, 
first boss fight, I saw a uh, lap and um, who was the other one? It was someone weird. Uh, I don't remember. I completely missed those. Otherwise, yeah, I would have summoned them. Yeah, there was two. I, I, I summoned them, and I was like, "These guys are going to be worthless." Like, I just want to kind of get past this dude. So I summoned the yeah, player. Yep. Like me and the other guy. Like I, I fought that boss the first time and got one of those dudes down to like no health at all, and then the other one just destroyed me. And then mm-hmm. um, the second time I went in, I just went ahead and summoned a, a guy because I, I just give up at this point. Like I'm not, yep. I, I have soloed all of the bosses through Bloodborne, but Dark Souls 3 has broken me. Congratulations, FromSoft. <laughs> like it's yeah. just fucking yep. broken me. Uh, I, I, but I summoned another guy and with two guys, like he kept the aggro of the other one. I kept the aggro of, of one of them and we killed him with no problem. And then they, you know, they merged to do the Demon Prince mm-hmm. thing. And then it was just literally mm-hmm. like playing uh, Watchdog of the Old Lords in Bloodborne. You just trade aggro. Yeah. <laughs> it, was yeah. That. Yeah. it was simple. Even with the, the like the music and everything was very reminiscent of that. So, yeah, no, it's very intriguing so far. But it's it's certainly a very different experience when you're recording for YouTube. Um, I sort of long for the days sometimes of when I could just play these games at any pace I want, um, as opposed to you know not needing to because I don't need to do this, but uh, you know as opposed to wanting to yeah, record it and share it with other people. But then, of course, you need to try and do that quickly so that you avoid spoilers. And so it's a whole thing. But yeah, because you don't want to, I'm sure you don't want your YouTube playthrough colored with other people's impressions or ideas or anything. Yeah, so you're trying to it, get to that as soon as like the day, it, the minute it comes out, you want to be there and recording and have it done so that you can put exactly. it out and look around at what everybody's saying about it. And and I don't want st- stupid comments from people who say things like, "Oh, it's painful watching you play this." Well, no shit, it's a blind playthrough. Like, <laughs> what do you want from me? So it's, so what dude, I do now internet. is like, you're, you're always going to get stupid yeah. comments. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. Like, I, I'm very active about uh, shadow banning people on my channel and stuff, though, if if they're negative or stupid and things like that. So, uh, but but so what I do now, what I started doing with the previous DLC was. I, I try to record the entire thing before even uploading the first episode mm-hmm. so that in the first episode I can say, don't bother saying, you know, go back to this place. You missed this thing or go back to there. Do that because the playthrough is already done by the time you're watching this. So I remember watching um, K plays when she started first doing her Dark Souls one run. Um, and it was such an experience, Amazing. like watching her, like figure out everything in that game and like her begging mm-hmm. the chat the, or, or the channel playing like I. I'm not looking at any of the comments. Like my significant other is looking through the comments and deleting the ones that have spoilers. Don't post spoilers. <laughs> like it was such a weird way to do it. YouTube played through, um, but it was so good. Like her surprise at seeing that stuff for the first time is I think what made that in her kind of general and in, like um, just investigative ability, mm-hmm. like to figure everything out was so interesting, but that's what you go to blind playthroughs before for. Yep. I, I've said that before. Like when you're watching your friend stream dark souls, you want to see him get, get eaten by the mimic. Like mm-hmm. you want, you don't want to tell him the, bad things or the good things because you want to experience it again through them so mm-hmm. I, I did a co-op playthrough with my best friend of bloodborne for youtube and it, it wasn't like the entire thing i just uploaded the highlights but there's so many parts where so like in old yarnum when you're walking by that shortcut in like the lower part of it mm-hmm. and the the scourge beast sort of pops out <laughs> yeah <laughs> you can see me i'm just sort of like walking behind him very slowly and then you know he walks he just keeps going and then oh and then he's like you knew that was coming didn't you and i'm like yep 100 <laughs> percent, absolutely yep 
he must have figured yeah. it out eventually of like, okay, every time you slow down and start walking, oh, he knows. Yep. <laughs> something's coming but down the line. To the point where I'm, I'm starting to use reverse psychology, though, at the same time, where like, if things are completely safe, I'll just sort of get really quiet and then just sort of walk <laughs> behind him. So then he's just thinking that something's coming, and even though it isn't, and then when, really when great. yeah, so it's, it's all mind games, but it's all in good fun, so. Was it uh was it weird playing through Bloodborne co-op? Like, did you, I'm like, did, were you both starting from scratch or uh, and like no, kind of no. join well, back and forth, or did you just get summoned into his world and kind of help him through it? Or it was similar to I, I didn't finish the whole episode, but I was listening to the episode uh, with Monk mm-hmm. and uh, where you guys were talking about how yeah you have to try and balance certain things when shepherding someone through because uh, it took me a while to get him into Dark Souls. Um, and so, you know, ever since the first time we got through it, like he's never actually had a true souls experience on the one hand, because I'm always there trying to shepherd him through everything. So, but, but on the other hand, you know, I don't know that cause you know, he's, he's, uh, busier like i'm pretty busy too but but you know his lifestyle is such that i don't know that he would actually sit down and play through it by himself yeah so if it wasn't this a is sort of organized activity right? yeah, like, yeah yeah exactly so so no so anytime we play together i'm always uh, i always say you know yeah i'll go through the like with the dlc i was like i need a week to sort of go through it learn everything and then and then we can play together so yeah, I haven't done a full cooperative playthrough of any of the Souls games. Like I've I've done a ton of co-op, right? Like I've done that for mm-hmm. um forever. Like I've done a ton of that stuff. I used to just stay up all night like getting summoned for ONS over and over and over again. Yep. Same um, here, yeah. Uh, but like I've never sat down and actually started the game and like gone through with the with a friend. So I I need to do that sometime. Just... It's it's tough and that's that's part like one of the the projects that I've wanted to do for a very long time but I've never I just haven't had the time to do is sort of a bonfire to bonfire co-op guide mm-hmm. because there are so many parts where you can't summon. Right. So, yeah. uh, you know, it's really tough to sort of explain. So like the one example that I often give is, uh, going, returning to the asylum, uh, for like after you leave there initially and, and me saying to my friend, okay, so make sure that you, walk me through step by step where you are and what you're doing. And, <laughs> and so, so, you know, he lands, he takes care of the hollows and I'm like, okay, so are you in the next room yet? Did you enter the room where you fought the asylum demon? And he's like, uh, yeah. Wah! And then he fell through the floor and there's a straight <laughs> demon. And I'm like, yep. That's why I said, don't, don't proceed until you let me know. So yeah, things like that, where I think it would be really great to be able to do a guide that, you know, where you can say, this is where you summon and then come back when you're, you're done the area. And you know, I'll say where you need to go next because otherwise it's very hard to explain to the person you're shepherding, you know, this is where you need to be. Well, and going through Um, stuff like the painted world together, like you're going to want to do that mm -hmm. together, but if you don't both go get the doll, then you'll never be able to Mm -hmm. get into it. And then if you, one of you gets into it and then can't leave, (laughs) like there's the the guide would be like, this would be a really useful like wiki article or guide or what have you. Yep. Yeah, I plan to do that one day, but because yeah, another example of that is the the Duke uh, the Duke's archive prison. Oh mm-hmm. my gosh, I, I played through uh, Dark Souls one with my my ex partner a couple of years ago, and you know trying to to explain to her how she needs to get out of the Duke's prison is like was like oh my god, pulling my hair out basically, but but she did it eventually. But yeah, it was fun. 
And then you got to drop off this ledge, and then that's going to put you at another <laughs> thing that looks like a bonfire, but is not a bonfire. <laughs> like trying and, to describe that stuff is just. And then you're going to hear some weird music. <laughs> and that's the great thing about SharePlay on the PS4, but uh, provided it actually works, because I feel like half the half the time it doesn't work. I've only had. Uh, I've only heard. It's never worked for me personally, and I don't have great internet. Mm-hmm. This is my problem. I, I live out in the mm-hmm. sticks, so um, mm-hmm. like I'm just. I'm. I don't. I have the best internet that I can get, and that's that. But um, I've heard mm-hmm. one other person say that it worked, and it was when somebody uh, they let somebody beat one of the Chalice Dungeon bosses for them. And I, that just blew me away. If like through one of the share play through wow. share play, I was like, man, I have mad respect for you now because how did you possibly like that could not have been an optimal it's like experience? Fifteen <laughs> frames per second, and like there's like at least a second delay. Like that must have been whole. I don't, whole, I don't know how they did skill. it. Yeah, especially See, I was with, with the build. In terms of, sorry, go on. No, go ahead. I, I was thinking just in terms of like uh, share play to guide someone like, okay, so now you see that thing in front of you, like you can actually explain cause you're looking at what they're looking at, but mm-hmm. yeah, actually playing using the other person's controller through share play is a nightmare. So I, yeah, I couldn't, to, I couldn't imagine that. And both of these yeah. people had good internet and were like, I think relatively, maybe relatively close to one another geographically. Mm-hmm. So maybe that just helped or maybe I'm just yeah, being, a, being a dumb American and like they were both in Europe and I'm like, that's all the same thing over there. So yeah. <laughs> I don't really know where yeah, they maybe. were, but yeah. Um, but yeah, this DLC is weird, man. Like um, it's, it's, it's very different for a souls game. I just got, I was just recording with Gary and um, he was saying the same thing. Like it's just, it's so weird. Like that opening area just never lets you slow down and kind of yes. take your time. Right? Like, that's what the Souls games kind of have been for a long time. If I'm going to methodically, slowly mm-hmm. but surely control this territory, like, I'm just going to kill all the enemies in it so that I can have a safe spot and then I'm going to extend a little further and then a little further and a little mm-hmm. further. None of that exists here. <laughs> like, nope. from the get go, you're jumping off ledges through glass and then things are coming at you and you're running past stuff and then the angel turrets show up and those suck ass. Oh, like, uh, oh my God, those things. Like, oh, I'm, I'm on, I just finished recording before. Before I started getting set up for this, I just finished recording my sixth episode, and each of them are about 45 to 50 minutes. And I feel like I'm probably three hours in as opposed to five or six, but that's how long I got stuck on a lot of the parts. Mm-hmm. Like the, the angel things, oh. shades of um, my first time in old yarn. I'm just getting so frustrated. Oh, yeah, at with the machine gun. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. The, uh, yeah, so. finding the first time that those things will um like you can kill something and they'll just go mm-hmm. away forever was such a it was one of those souls moments of just being so relieved that you've beaten a boss for the last for like oh god i never have to do that again like that was my like that was my even though it wasn't a boss at all but just knowing that they'll never respawn and now i can kind of calmly explore this swamp that i wanted to explore like it was so did, good did you kill it up close oh no um I don't, do I've only be... killed. I've only killed it from range. The the thing that con- I guess projects the butterflies or whatever. Yeah, there was um the one with the swamp. Uh, you mm. can kind of take some of the roots up, and then there's one that you can kind of double back and jump and land on a house. And if you go all the way to the end of that, you'll find one of those, and that'll kill that one. Over oh, there see, I I killed both of those with the bow. Uh, oh really? Because I, was, <laughs> I was just scanning the landscape, and I was like, "Oh, there you are, you fucker! You're dead!" Like, 
<laughs> my Fortnite uh, <laughs> trying to run through that swamp so many times. It, I just like I just was a it was a madhouse. Like all I did was just mm-hmm. run through it as fast as possible, collecting loot when I happened to see it, and just running away from those giants. Which I like fighting those giant dudes one at a time. Uh, but mm-hmm. like anytime you put multiple of them in, in front of me, I just check out. I'm like, nope, not too yep. much, not gonna happen. Just gonna run past them. Yep. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Finally no, clearing that dude out, and like, okay, now I can. Oh, this is just like a, a set of trousers. Thanks, Dark Souls. <laughs> Appreciate yeah. you leaving this item oh, here. <laughs> I didn't even kill the NPC that was there. I just ran by her. I was just like, fuck it. I can't. I just. <laughs> I ran by her and uh, she chased me and the angel killed her for me. Oh, she, uh, I, I, I guess that's what happened because I ran by her. And um, when I when I came back to that area, um later on in that like i hadn't died or anything like there was an item there that i hadn't seen before and it was the hood i think of the <laughs> desert pyromancer oh no no that's there regardless oh it is so, okay so maybe yeah, i didn't kill her yeah. i don't know where the hell she went <laughs> she disappeared oh, my in my gosh. game <laughs> maybe oh, she fell down and got killed with the poison or something De- desert sorcerer or desert pyromancer zoe i think her name is something like that mm-hmm. again just so incredibly op and, and it's frustrating fighting the like it really shouldn't be that frustrating fighting the npcs um because, you know, there's always cool lore and, and like, story-wise, it's always very interesting. But just the infinite poise and the reading your button inputs, and it's just so frustrating. The the, the unfairness of um, the NPCs not obeying the same rules has always frustrated the hell out of me. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just not, it's just not fun at that point. Like, but that, that wasn't good, even the case in Dark Souls 1, was it? Like, no, not at all. Like, yeah. Kurt, like, had all of the same, like, rule sets that you did. Like, he didn't heal himself. He didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. He would just mm-hmm. kind of like try to fight you, and uh, and I really like when they started adding um, NPC uh, invaders or summons that gesture at you and kind of have a personality. Mm-hmm. But I mm-hmm. love I love that. I do not like them breaking rules though, like infinite yep. poise, infinite stamina, all that. Like it's just bullshit. So and of course they they don't have those things when you when they're friendly when you summon them. As <laughs> of course not. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they're just not. <laughs> just as human as you at that point. <laughs> Yeah, I want I want an NPC like give the invader AI to one of my summons so they don't just like sit there and guard and get hit over yep. and over and over again. Well, it's like I have a video on my channel of uh, can Knights Night Slayer sorry kill himself because you know like he's in the as an enemy in the Smoldering Lake, but if you if you kill the invader version, you can also summon him in the Smoldering Lake. So what I did was I cleared out the path in between the summon sign and the enemy Night Slayer sorry created a restore point. <laughs> and then just just thought okay because otherwise you'd have to clear out all the basilisks and stuff in the way every time and you'd probably die before you get to that point so i'm like okay what what would happen if i cleared out the entire way and then brought him to himself and he can't kill himself he sucks as a fan <laughs> like, like so four great. or five times in a row and i'm just like ah. i love that kind of so, stuff like how far will npcs follow you and like what will they kill and attack and things mm, like that like that's just my jam mm. and like i always love trying to break dark souls not as much dark souls 3 for some reason like I, for, for whatever reason I'm, I'm cooler on dark souls 3 than i am than i was on dark souls 1 uh mm. where i really like to, to start tearing apart that game but that stuff just amuses the hell out of me that's great yeah for sure but anyways, um, I'm I'm all set to get recorded or get recorded. Get recorded. Oh, uh, dude, we've are. been recording for like 18 minutes. Like we're good. We oh. can just we can just jump into it. That could be the first part right. of the episode. That, that works for me. <laughs> you uh, you were such a nice guy. Like we just started having a conversation. <laughs> like, yeah. We well, I, I figure. Yeah. yeah, that's uh, we have a lot in common, and like I don't know that we've ever spoken directly, but um, no, I think um, I, I've. 
I want to say that we talked on like a like a bonfire set chat Facebook thread um, at one point, but maybe not. Maybe that was a YouTube channel or thread or it, something. It might um, have been the uh, Duck Stream. For... It, could, it, could, it was definitely Duck Stream, absolutely. Because uh, yeah, because well, I, I was in the chat though. You, you were helping. I think it was Gary with the Chalice Dungeons, and you and you got summoned in too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because well, yeah, at one point he put put up his menu, and I was like, oh, you know, it sounds like because I think you were waiting to be summoned. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know he had a whole bunch of enemies everywhere, and yeah, that was one of my one of my proudest moments of like appearing on someone else's live stream where Gary <laughs> was just like, "Oh, Aegon, what?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that was a lot of fun. I remember watching that because I'm I'm like watching it on my laptop and then like playing it on my TV and like the delay and everything. I'm like, "Oh my god, I'm about to get in! I'm about to get in!" <laughs> like it was, it's yeah, funny. and it wasn't even you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. was yeah. not me at all. That, that was, was funny. Hilarious. What um like how did what's your what's your soul's origin story like where did where did you pick up the games what was your interest in them like what what made you pick up whatever game you picked up for the first time so that's a long story and I hope you don't mind if I if I go a little bit further back um than you know the first moment I picked up Dark Souls one just because oh, yeah. I think the context of it is important for understanding sort of what uh what had me so enamored of the souls games or at least dark souls one specifically at first. Um, and so, uh, it's funny, like I spent a lot of time in the last couple of days thinking about this question in preparation for today, but I'm, I'm still not entirely sure where to start. So, uh, what I will say is that, um, I had a very wayward path through the educational system. I'm like, I'm presently a fourth year PhD student in science and technology studies. And, um, I was at one point also a two-time high school dropout. So um, so I went through a lot of, you know, there are personal issues involved and stuff, but generally, just generally speaking, the the way I was being taught to learn and do things in the educational system wasn't exactly, uh, you know, it didn't really jive with me and, and my sort of way of looking at the world and thinking about the world. So uh, I wasn't really sure at any point, what I wanted to do with my life until um, I actually had a YouTube channel prior to my present one where I made videos that sort of explored the role of science and technology in, you know, making the world a better place. And so out of that, I developed sort of a very um, sort of naive perspective on the potential for, yeah, science and technology to change the world and do great things and and a sort of simple perspective on history that was transmitted uh, sort of alongside that. And so when I got near the end of my undergrad, uh, which I was studying accounting, which wasn't something I was interested in at all, but, you know, it was one of those things where it was like, okay, well, this is something I can make decent money with and, you know, I'm not terrible at it, so I might as well sort of continue with that. Um, until... Yeah, I neared graduation, and uh, I didn't quite get the job offer that I wanted. So decided, okay, let's let's see if we can, you know, do a master's degree in something that we're interested in. And so I uh, found this program called uh, Science and Technology Studies, a master's program where it's interdisciplinary, and I figured it was perfect based on the things that I was doing, sort of outside of school at that point on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And so then I uh, I got into the program. And I wasn't ready for it at all. So this was back in September of 2012. Uh, The perspective, as it turned out, that I had on science and technology and its place in the world was, again, very naive and and not exactly 
not exactly the most accurate way of looking at it. So, uh, and simultaneously I had moved out from home for the first time. And, you know, I was in this new place, uh, studying this thing that was very different than the thing I thought I was going to be studying. And so it was, you know, what followed was basically a period of, of severe depression and not really knowing whether I was doing the right thing with my life after, you know, several months of thinking, Oh my gosh, I finally found what I want to do. And it got to the point where, you know, things were just really, really bad. And what I did, which is something that, you know, I've sort of done all my life when things are really bad is, uh, I wouldn't say like a full retreat into video games, but I use video games as a way of, you know, blowing off steam and sort of helping myself, uh, regain my bearings. And at the time, my, uh, gaming drug of choice, so to speak, was, uh, Skyrim and, Uh, something I was doing was just, you know, like going, trying to get all the achievements for whatever reason. And uh, this was on the Xbox 360. And then uh, in, I think it was January 2013, something like that, a colleague invited me over to his house to have dinner. Because I guess, I don't know, I generally probably look like a sick sick puppy at that point. So <laughs> they were taking pity um, on you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it, it, very nice guy. And, and you know, he has a family. Like, he's a bit, bit of an older gentleman. So he has family. And, uh, you know, they invited me over. We had dinner. It was wonderful. And uh, as we neared the end of dinner, um, he suggested, he's like, uh, to you know, I met t- his two sons. And he suggested, hey, you should uh, go check out this game that my son's been playing that he's really crazy about. It's called dark souls. And I was like, dark souls. And I'm like, who makes, you know, who makes dark souls? And he's like, Oh, it's from software. And I'm like, yeah, I know games are from software. <laughs> it's, it's like, you know, we take it for granted now, but it's such a strange company named from software. He's like, no, 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 no. The company's name's from soft. And I'm like, okay. So I always we have those weird start. moments where I'm writing dark souls from, from software, like those weird comment, like yeah. you're saying the same word over again. It's just bizarre. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so we go downstairs to the basement and, um, he starts up a new build. And, uh, I think I, I still remember it being, an, uh, I think the night class because, uh, he was fat rolling all over the place and I, I thought it looked really funny. And, uh, as he's going through the asylum and the undead Berg, I'm sort of, observing the mechanics and, you know, like it looked like an interesting game, not like especially mind blowing or anything. Um, and I was, you know, looking at the screen, I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, so it's just like Skyrim. It has a health bar. It has a stamina bar. And and like, so it's just like Skyrim. And he's like, yeah, not exactly. Not, not really. No. Not exactly. So, you know, he, he did his best to sort of give me an overview of the game and sort of entice me to play it. And I was like, yeah, you know, that's a game that, you know, I could see myself playing and, uh, I, I went home that night and, you know, just went back to Skyrim and cause you know, I had a lot of fun just uh, as within dark souls, messing with the NPCs and whatnot. So, um, so yeah, so it, it wasn't until like a month and a half later or something like that, where I saw that it was on sale, uh, on the Xbox live marketplace that I actually downloaded the game and started playing it, made it through. Well, <laughs> I guess first I, <laughs> Uh, I did what a lot of new players probably do is, you know, in the asylum coming up against the asylum demon and just trying over and over again, uh, banging my head against the wall with a broken straight sword trying to, and I'm like, how the, how the heck are you supposed to kill this thing with a broken straight sword? <laughs> and, and I guess that was my first sort of revelatory moment when I realized, Hey, there's a door here. And, and I think there's even a message that says something like run. So, 
I was like, okay, so that is, you know, because you get this idea of the game from all the marketing, prepare to die and all this, that, you know, is just a game that is, a, that is hard for the sake of being hard, which is something that really annoys me, that perception that I don't think is really true, or at the very least, I don't think that's what makes the Souls game special. Or um, wasn't back then, anyway. <laughs> yeah, or, or wasn't back then, anyway. Um, as we were talking about earlier with the the uh, rule-breaking NPCs. But um, but then, you know, I got to Firelink eventually, and, uh, you know, my first thing was, okay, let's go see what's over in this graveyard over here. Died to the skeletons in the graveyard near the catacombs something like 15 or 16 times. And I was like, oh, gosh, darn it. So what was the next thing I did? Of course, I went to New Londa Ruins, tried fighting the ghosts, <laughs> got kicked by the ghosts over and over again. So basically, I went to all the places I shouldn't have gone. Yeah. Um, and then eventually, you know, found my way to the aqueduct and, you know, made my way to the undead berg, only to be invaded almost immediately. Um, but I'll never forget just the feeling, like the the, the rush that you know you'll I'll, I'll never ever get again, just because you know the very first time where you have another player intruding in your world, and I was like, this is so strange, but like wonderful at the same time. And I'll never forget that even though I won the duel, I didn't actually win. the The person just rolled off on the bridge near the bonfire. <laughs> <laughs> so i was like okay i'll take it but you know and and sort of it just went from there and um you know at first i relied very very heavily on summons and uh you know i got invaded by someone once who dropped a whole bunch of gear for me i'm pretty sure i put a bunch of levels into um resistance and just generally i had no idea what i was doing um, until I, you know, I started watching YouTube videos by the likes of, uh, I think Ruricon was the first person I watched. Hmm. Um, and then a German spy and Vati Vidya, all of these people who, uh, yeah, made these videos that really helped me sort of get a sense of the game and what I was doing. Um, but it wasn't really until I got, um, like I finished the main game and then it wasn't really until I downloaded the DLC that I realized, wow, this game is really something special because, uh, you know, at the time, I was really struggling with my my studies in trying to wrap my head around the fact that, um, you know, I, I came into this program expecting to um, learn how to communicate to other people that science is something that, you know, is, is better than everything else and, and isn't affected by sort of the usual human issues. Uh, it sort of exists apart from everything else. But I was learning in my studies that science is very much culturally situated and, you know, needs to be understand, needs to be understood in that context. And, and so basically my, my idea of history was being turned on its head. And then I, I recall as you know, from all these videos, I wouldn't have known to do this by myself, but from, uh, again, because coming from a game like Skyrim, which, you know, as, as uh, you and Monk were discussing in uh, an earlier episode uh, about, you know, the absurdity of the notion that, you know, you would overlay on, on top of Bloodborne, there's that screenshot with all the waypoints and things like that. Yeah. And <laughs> I just I, sent that just, to somebody the other day who was talking about, um, t- talking about like open world waypoints and stuff. And they were like, this is disgusting. Never show this to me again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
And and again, I had just come from spending an absurd number of hours playing Skyrim, and you know that and Fallout Four, like they're both games that I enjoy for what they are, but it's it's not the same. And so, I, unless I had started watching all these videos, I I wouldn't have known to you know okay, it's really important to look at item descriptions and to understand the context in which you find the items and uh, in relation to other items and so on and so forth. So. I, I started doing that and started reading all these things about, you know, Artorius, the Abyss Watcher, and, or Abyss Watcher, Abyss Walker. <laughs> I, I recently did an episode where I made that error like eight times. But, <laughs> um, and, you, know, you know, there's this, this idea of Artorius as being this legendary figure who did this great thing. And then I start doing the DLC and I'm like, wait a second, like what is happening here? And so, so that was the point where I realized, you know, that this is a game that's really special, not only because of the gameplay and how sort of pedagogical it is that it's always teaching you to do certain things. And when you're, when you die, it's not, it's generally not the game's fault. It's something that you did. You can go back and you can do differently and do just fine. And, uh, but in particular, just looking at the story of Artorius and, you know, I did some reading up on it after the fact and Miyazaki saying, you know, there's no contradiction. And and it was just sort of an epiphany moment for me because this is exactly the kind of stuff that I was learning about in my studies about the the vagaries of history and how the um, you know dominant histories that we know of today are only one of many possible histories that could have been um, that there's a contingency there um, and that you know generally when we hear these stories about these these lone great men doing these these heroic wonderful things that it's generally not that simple. Um, and I was like, holy crap, here is this game that is basically transmitting the exact same message without actually transmitting it, but, but conveying to you the exact same message. And so from there, my, my love of the Souls game sort of grew, grew from that in that, um, even though, you know, there were some days where I was probably spending more time playing the games than I was doing my work. But while playing the games, I was always thinking about my work and vice versa in a way that it's not that Dark Souls taught me how history works or history taught me how Dark Souls works. But both of these things sort of, um, yeah, they intersected at the perfect time to create an experience that I was just like, wow. And um, I guess... We were to fast forward to today. That's that's basically the the premise underlying my Let's Talk Lore series, where uh, you know I go through and sort of explore the games and learn from other people, people who comment uh, their perspective on these things, because you know everyone has their own unique situated perspective from which they view the games and understand the story, and you know you can never learn all these things on your own, um, and it's only sort of together. Um, that yeah, we we come to that a uh, much richer perspective on the story, and and so yeah, th- that's basically what I do today. Is uh, you know it it emerged organically from that sort of epiphany moment that I had with Artorius and my studies at the same time. So now, when you when you was Dark Souls two already out at this time? Because you mentioned that Dark Souls one was on sale. So I'm kind of curious when you approach a a game that's new to everyone um, that hasn't already had that kind of field work and that archaeology. Um, you haven't had all those stories dug up. When you approach one of these games now, how, how do you do that? Like, are you from the outset trying to look in through all of the keyholes and try to figure out these story beats that, you know, the game doesn't necessarily give up to you? Are you making a bunch of notes or are you just kind of like, I'm going to play through it once experience the game. And then I'm going to go back and try to put, put all the pieces together. I, I think it's mostly the latter. Um, okay. 
So I'm going to have to look back at it. One of the good things about uh, the achievements for, yeah, the 360 is that, um, you know, I can actually look back and see, you know, when I first kindled the bonfire or things like that. And I'm reasonably certain that it was something like May or June of 2013 when I finished my first playthrough. I think I did the Dark Lord ending first. Um, and then if I recall correctly, Dark Souls 2 didn't come out until March 2014, something like that. So I had something like six or seven months uh, between um, sort of the height of my Dark Souls 1 obsession and the release of Dark Souls 2. Excuse me. And yeah, so with Dark Souls 2, at first, I wasn't really thinking in terms of, you know, because I, I didn't actually start the YouTube channel um, until something like early 2015. Okay. So um, my first time going through Dark Souls 2 was more or less just, okay, I need to go go through this game and try to learn what's going on. And uh, I don't think I did it completely blind. Like, I think I was watching, um, I think it might have been ENB. Like, he started the playthrough. I don't think he finished it. Um, ENB and, and Franz, but yeah, they both worked on the guide. So I think that sort of soured them on the game a little bit. But, um, you know, it, it wasn't, I didn't really have a method of going through it. It was just, wow, it's a new Dark Souls game. Let's go through it and sort of uh, experience this for the first time in uh, in a way that, you know, I actually have uh, a base basis for understanding the game that I built while playing Dark Souls 1 that I didn't initially have while playing Dark Souls 1, where, you know, I was using a katana and leveling strength and resistance and things, <laughs> absurd things like that that made no sense in, in retrospect. Making but, the, making those classic newbie mistakes. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But but and that and that's sort of my my perspective in general. That I, I don't think these games are designed to have a single playthrough. They're designed such that, uh, or at least ideally, they're designed such that you know you need to play through it multiple times to sort of build a better understanding of it and. Uh, again, this just ties into sort of my views on education and pedagogy of mistakes are okay. So just play through it. Don't worry about, you know, oh my gosh, I didn't do this area perfectly or, you know, I might not have found everything here. Just play through it at whatever pace, you know, you, you currently feel like playing through. And, uh, you know, you're going to make mistakes. That's fine. But there's nothing that says you can't go back later and sort of explore things in greater depth. So so that's sort of the perspective that... Um, I started, I think, more so with Bloodborne, um, which was the first of the Souls games that I played like completely blind. Um, and then that's I've sort of carried that through to Dark Souls 3 and the DLC for Dark Souls 3 as well. It's weird to me because Dark Souls is one of the few games that um, I will play multiple times. Uh, usually if I play a game, like I'll, I'll play it through and then I'm pretty much done with it. Um, mm -hmm. Something about Dark Souls, uh, like it just encourages me to, okay, for this build, I'm going to have these goals. And like, it's not, I'm going to go beat Gwen, right? Like it's, I'm, mm -hmm. okay, I want to mm -hmm. get, I want to see like, can I get um, both, you know, Siegfried and Sigling and Firelink at the same time? Or mm -hmm. like, I want to try to get as many people in Firelink Shrine as I can at the same time. Like what's my max number of people? Like I'd like mm -hmm. doing weird stuff like that. And for whatever reason, most games just, don't give me that drive like they don't have that pull for me and I, I can't quite put my finger on it what it is because like dark souls even dark souls 3 which i'm like I, i've mentioned a couple of times i'm pretty cool on still did that like I've, I've still played through dark souls 3 three times like i have hundreds of hours in that game and i would probably tell you like yeah it's okay but there's <laughs> still something there that pulls me into that and i, I don't quite know what it is it's interesting mm. yeah and it's it's um because like, i mentioned this earlier um about how 
it certainly changes things. And part of it is also just sort of the, where I am presently in my studies. Like I'm, I'm writing a dissertation and, and teaching a course that uh, is wrapping up shortly, thankfully, so that I can focus more on writing my dissertation. But uh, the amount of time it takes to do the series that I do is such that I, I don't really play Dark Souls 3 for pleasure nearly as much as I did Dark Souls 1 or 2. And it's hard to say for me how much of that is, you know, in a vacuum that Dark Souls 3 is less replayable or how much of that is, okay, maybe I'm just a little bit fatigued on Souls games because this is the the fourth Souls game that I've played and the fifth Souls game overall. Um, And how much of that is just, you know, because of how much work and how much time I spend on these series that I do for YouTube, uh, you know, that... In, in a way, it feels like work that it didn't initially. Like, it still doesn't really feel like work, but because of how much I put my studies into um, the, the stuff that I do for YouTube, it, it sort of feels that way. Um, but, you know, I mentioned earlier Fallout 4 as well, and, and to your point, like, that is a game that I've spent an absurd number of hours playing, but never once did I say, okay, I'm going to start all over again and make a new build, because there's really, you know, I really don't have any reason to do that. Where, whereas, uh, you know, all, all it was just, okay, there are different factions and you can get a different ending based on which faction you side with. But rather than create a whole new build, what I did was I just rolled back to an earlier save. And yeah. then, okay, let's see what, what this faction has to say. Because it's a binary um, choice that you don't really have to plan for. Like, you can just make a decision mm-hmm. and I, I, continue yeah, on there's a different a, path. Exactly. And, and like, to a certain degree, that's true in Dark Souls as well. Like, you know, uh, you can't talk to Frampt if you, if you want uh, to, you know, side with Kath and, and become a Dark Ray, things like that. But, mm-hmm. but still, but, but in Dark Souls, again, there's no, you can't just roll back to an earlier save, right? Like, you could theoretically, but. Um, yeah, I mean, you, there's nothing in the game that really allows you to do that. Like, the game's not set yeah. up for that at all. Exactly. But because of the way, you know, how many options are are provided and how many different paths you can take through the game. So like, you know, generally I I would start with the master key as my gift because, you know, why wouldn't you? But then there are some times where you're just like, okay, why don't I just play through it normally? I'm not going to pick the master key this time. Let's see how I do. Um, And, you know, I'm not going to go. So, you know, you're you're not going to take the back entrance to Blight Town, things like that, where you can make it sufficiently different in a way that is exciting and yeah, that, that really gives you a different experience. Um, although the, the, as soon as I learned about the master key, um, that was almost certainly like my choice for uh, the starting gift, just because the closest I ever came to not playing dark souls ever again was getting cursed in the depths <laughs> by the basilisk. And I'm just like, oh, because you only have half HP, you can't yep. summon anyone. I, I didn't have a purging stone or anything like that. So I'm just like, probably didn't know what even know that you needed a purging stone to do that because it's, it's a really weird item that you wouldn't normally even think about. <laughs> yep. And I, I think the only thing like, like it says you've been cursed, uh, like visit the healer in new Londo, um, to, to like alleviate your curse or something like that. And I was just like, Oh no, like what the, and, and yeah, so, so that was about as close as I came to ever quitting and, and just putting it down and not playing again, because, you know, I made all this progress. I was down in the depths. And, and so that experience sort of informs the fact that, uh, aside from sort of getting, you know, the Ember, I think it's the large Ember that's in the depths. I generally would just skip it um, because, yeah, uh, that was not a pleasant experience getting cursed my first time there. When I was doing uh, before uh, 
save editors became a big thing on the 360 and you could just like kind of download pre made stuff with all of the weapons and stuff unlocked for mm-hmm. you um, doing mm-hmm. pvp builds like i would just do not even suicide missions like i would just run into the depths and like get the large ember get the spider shield because i might need that one day and like a couple of other items and then just homeward bone right back out of it and then go back the opposite way to finish it <laughs> like it just because yep. it's just once you i mean it's just it's fine and it's e- it's relatively easy especially nowadays when i know what i'm doing but it's just mm-hmm. like i don't want to even bother with it like i know if i make a mistake and drop down the wrong hole or don't miss a jump that it could cost me like time and energy and effort and i'd just rather just skip it entirely mm-hmm. that's one of my yep. um man i don't want to keep sounding like i'm hating on dark souls 3 i guess because the dlc came out today and like i'm just mm-hmm. in- back into it i'm I'm thinking about this stuff, but um, that's one of my big complaints with three is that there's no, really no flexibility on your routes like that. Like I feel like when dark souls one, like by the time you get to fire, fire Link shrine, you have those three directions to go and they branch off from there. Whereas dark souls three, you're just kind of like, okay, I'm going to Lothric and then I'm going to the, um, the woods and then I'm going to go to this other mm-hmm. place. I'm going to the purgatory. Like I'm going to go in order, um, which is kind of a bummer for me. On, on really in the, in the early game, the really the only options you have are, do I want to do the cathedral first or do I want to go, you know, to the smoldering lake or the, you know, because uh, as far as you can go is uh, the entrance to Irith Hill yeah. um, before you need to go and get the, um, the squire, the doll from the Aldrich's coffin. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, so that's, that's, and, and also I just, I loathe, Fair and keep the swamp and like just how, and I know there are quick ways to get through it, but it's just so, oppressive and i mm-hmm. guess that's kind of the point but you know it's it's like blight town and dark souls one but you just you can't skip it like you yeah. can't skip half of it right and i don't i don't even mind blight town that much like because if you if you're planning ahead and you have the rusted iron ring like you just deal with the poison and i can do that all day long like that's no problem mm-hmm. but just the constantly rolling and then they put a bunch of um quick enemies in the swamp mm-hmm. so you know those dudes that like jump on your head and eat you with the grab attacks like death to grab attacks 2017 please <laughs> like yeah. i just never want to see <laughs> another grab attack um I guess oh, the so, DLC so, grab attacks. Oh yeah. my god, dude! Don't even. What the, like <laughs> the little things that come out of the ground and they can just like yep. freeze you for a little while for no reason. It took me so long to realize what Berkman, was happening. I think they're cold. <laughs> yeah. So weird. Yep. Well, how does that work with um, a game like re- specifically referring to like playing through multiple times uh, a game like Bloodborne, which you know doesn't have quite the NPC variety. It doesn't really have the flexibility in the story. Like Bloodborne is so self-contained and such a, a kind of a an orb in of in itself, for lack of a better word. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, do you still get the satisfaction of playing through that game multiple times with different goals in mind, or did you kind of just go through it the one time and that was it? Or how did you approach that? I played through that game an absurd number of times. Um, <laughs> Welcome to the Bloodborne what, podcast. <laughs> We're getting well, right back into it. <laughs> I, I could go back and look at um, the number of hours uh, like uh, totaled across all of my builds and get maybe a rough estimate. But the problem with that is that, again, because of my Let's Talk lore series, and um, I was doing cinematic lore videos back then too, but the problem is just they take so much time that I, I, I've kind of stopped doing that. But I did several of them for Bloodborne. And um, so I spent a lot of time restoring builds, creating builds, and then deleting them after I finished the the video and stuff like that. So, um, and then there was the Chalice Dungeons, which, you know, they have their problems. I don't think, I think they get kind of a bad rap. I, I don't think they're they're as quite as bad as everyone says they are, but yes, they do have some significant problems. Um, the, the, 
the materials you need the, the, to actually create the chalices probably first and foremost. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, but uh, no, with that game, I just, um, you know, I went through it several times because I, I do think that there is a lot more flexibility in terms of like the NPC quest lines or not flexibility, replayability. Uh, one example being uh, Yosefka's Clinic. Because this was not something I did until I um, until I did my uh, Let's Talk Lore series. But at a certain point, I decided, hey, because you know, I, I generally try to be nice to the NPCs that I come across, and, and you know, I generally try not to kill passive enemies and things like that. So uh, when it came to the whole, you know, Imposter Yosefka storyline, and hey, do you want to send these people to the chapel or do you want to send them to the clinic? I would always opt for the clinic. Until, yeah, my, my, my playthrough when I was like, okay, we need to sort of understand what is happening here. So I sent all of the NPCs you possibly can to the clinic. And it is a completely different feeling. Like when you're walking through Yosefka's clinic and seeing all of the different um, celestials, all the different NPCs that are turned into celestials, they all have like their own unique animations, um, like idle animations and things like that. Do they really? I didn't know that. Yep. That's crazy. Um, I think it's episode 13 of my um, my Bloodborne Let's Talk Lore series. It's called uh, To the Discovery of Kinship, uh, where, yeah, you can learn a lot by doing something like that, that otherwise, you know, you would just, if you weren't really bothering to um, follow through the dark side, I, I guess, so to speak, of the various NPC quest lines, or in this case, Yosefka specifically, um, you miss a lot of stuff, or at least you miss you know, uh, an area like it completely changes the area is what I'm trying to say. And, um, and uh, you know, you get different dialogue too. So like if you discover that it's not actually Yosefka and she sort of warns you to leave. And then if you leave and send another NPC there, then, you know, you get some unique dialogue that I I don't think, I think most people haven't heard where she basically says, um, you know, here's a special gift. Thank you. This is to the discovery of kinship. And then she, you know, has this really evil laugh. So, uh, so I would say that Bloodborne, there's, you know, a lot more to the replayability of the NPC quest lines than most people give it credit for. And I think that a lot of the NPC, um, the NPCs in the game have more depth than, again, I think most people give them credit for, but, um, but in general, I think Dark Souls 3 probably actually does, um, ha- has the greatest variety of NPCs and NPC quest lines in a way where I feel like it sort of brings, they've, they've achieved something that they were trying to do in several of the past games. Um, because even when you look at Yosefka, I feel like there was probably more, and I think Miyazaki even said so in the official guide in the interview, he's, that there was more he wanted to do but that his team basically said, no, like we don't have time or something like that. I don't recall exactly what the details of that were, but, um, but yeah, I don't know That's if that actually answers your question. But. It does. No, that, that it does because Bloodborne does have a kind of a bad rap for um, having limited build options, which is something that irks me because like I've mm. done four different pretty unique builds, like of all of the primary stats basically at this point, and still don't feel like I've I've completely completely like mined everything out of that game build wise. Like I've never done a stake driver build, and I've always wanted to do that, mm-hmm. um, but. Uh, the same thing is with the NPCs, which I've just been busted on because I've always kind of assumed like they weren't there wasn't really much to it. But obviously, you just <laughs> checked me on that. So. Well, well, it, you know, it, it is a matter of opinion. Just. So-
right? Like if, if you explore these things in as great depth as I try to do on YouTube, then of course you're going to be like, well, of course it's deeper because, you know, to a certain degree, that's me sort of um, transmitting my own perspective onto the series and the story and, and stuff like that. So with everything, you know, if you look into it deeply enough, then, you know, of course it's going to appear deep. Um, it's going to appear to have depth, but it, it, that doesn't necessarily mean it's the same for everyone. But but one thing I will say about Dark Souls 1 in comparison to the others is um, after Dark Souls 1, the, the majority of my builds were largely theme builds because, again, you know, uh, I did things like uh, creating cinematic lore videos. And one of the things I wanted to do, for instance, was uh, – and I just thought of this when you mentioned the stake driver because uh, I hated my stake driver build, which was basically a Jura build because – I wanted to get the the um, ending where Garman beheads you for both Jura and Eileen because you know they're both uh, what I call pillblood hunters. Um, they were both in the dream at some point based on the things that they say to you. And but then if you go back to Dark Souls One, this is something you mentioned earlier about you know just sometimes staying up all night and co-oping because. I had builds, and this was before my 360 hard drive, unfortunately, got wiped. But I had builds for basically every major co-op area um, that were 100% sort of tailored to the area. In addition to having things like um, I had a Soul Level 1 build where, uh, and this was the great thing about invading on the Xbox 360, is that um, provided that the person doesn't have their privacy settings to disallow this, as you're invading someone, you can go to the sort of recent players tab um, and see what achievements they've unlocked. So if you see that it's someone who just just arrived at Firelink and kindled the fire or something, you know that the person is likely brand new at the game. So I had a soul, soul level one build where I could kill them at any time because you know I had like max uh, pyromancy flame with you know um, to the point where you know if I just used um, you know, just one spell, they'd be basically dead. And a max upgraded chaos, uh, reinforced club, all of the, the mm-hmm. soul level one OP gear basically. Um, and, but I would invade with, uh, I had a certain package of, you know, new player, uh, care package, so to speak, where I would give them, I think something that wasn't too overpowered, but overpowered, like, you know, enough to get them through a certain part of the game where I would invade it. If it was a new player, I would drop, I think it was a magic reinforced club, um, a, a Balder, Balder Shield plus four, plus five, or something like that. So stuff that if they're struggling, they can use it and it'll hold them in good stead. In addition to, of course, giving them a uh, purging stone in case they ever get cursed because <laughs> I didn't want the same thing to happen to them and have them quit. You were um, so nice. This is like the well, opposite of me entirely. <laughs> well, like I do troll as well. And, um, and so that is, but the amazing thing about it for me, especially in the case of Dark Souls 1, is the fact that you can do subversive things like that. You know, you can invade someone, which is something that most people expect, oh my god, this is going to be bad, this person's going to murder me, and you can do the opposite. You can help them, right? Um, but then on the other hand, um, you know, I was just thinking about something you said, uh, again, in, in your episode with Monk, which I listened to shortly before we started recording, uh, was about, you know, Trolling is something I enjoy as well, but with with a caveat of, I, I think that the best trolls are those that you put a lot of thought into, um, to the point where the person who is on the other end of it can sort of nod their head and say, okay, well played. So uh, one example is, um, and this is actually in Dark Souls 2, but what me and my best friend did was in Iron Keep, 
Um, and this is before Scholar the First Sin, because at some point they actually patched out the ability to drop items on the bridge, the bridge that leads to the Smelter Demon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> where he would summon people on the bridge near the bonfire, um, and then he would bring them over to the bridge, where there would be a bunch of items just sitting there on the bridge. And I would be up on the spot where the, the Great Bow Archer usually was uh, in Chameleon, and then as soon as they started picking up the item, uh, because we knew that, you know, there was something like a half second lag when, once you initiated the, the pickup animation that you could hit them with a great arrow and they would be dead almost every time. And the item that they were picking up every single time was an alluring skull. So, <laughs> so we got so many people who would message us and say, wow, that was hilarious. Because, it, like, surely enough, it, that's exactly what the alluring skulls are supposed to do. Um, I used to do something very similar, but with um, rubbish and then dropping it on the uh, rotatable bridge in the catacombs and Dark Souls. Oh, world. my God. <laughs> and just, you know, sit there and just like spam the dried finger. And um, I mean, most like you, you immediately knew like people would like you knew who was an experienced invader because people would see it mm-hmm. and just run past it as fast as they could. So but it was mm-hmm. it was always fun to see, like, because you could see him starting to run across the bridge. And if you hit it soon enough, like you could get them at the very end. But sometimes they could just make it. And it was always fun. So Yep. Well, and it's, and so another one that another one of my favorites that I did was um, I spent an absurd amount of time creating a build that looked just like uh, Choir Intelligencer Edgar in Bloodborne, uh, the guy who is sort of just standing in the middle of that long path uh, after you uh, run through the room with all the spiders and the oh, Nightmare yeah. of Menses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And uh, he uses Ludwig's sword as well as uh, the 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 sprayer the the mercury sprayer rosemarius yeah yeah rosemarius and um yeah i did a a pretty incredible job of replicating what he looks like and uh, it was a pain in the rear because it took something like 12 or 13 hours to not only create the build but then get to this spot because there was so little pvp activity by the time i did that that i just spent like, you know, 20 or 30 minutes at a time, just sitting there waiting for someone to invade. But when someone did, oh, it was glorious. <laughs> they would just run right by me, right by me. And yeah, it was obviously inspired by, there was the, uh, I think it was only Afro who did that with the Silver Knights in Dark Souls 1. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, it was obviously a take on that. But yeah, that, that was one. So, you know, I get annoyed when I get invaded by someone and they just run into the enemies or do something like that, where it's like, yeah, you know, you're trolling, but it's, you really didn't put any thought into that. It's just you run by. So, uh, so, you know, I, I like to do things that, yeah, take a little bit of effort um, as well as, you know, in Dark Souls one, just sort of returning the favor. Cause you know, like I said, I had been invaded by a couple of people when I was new, they gave me some gear and they were really nice to me. And uh, yeah, so I, I tried to return the favor. And, and once I even got a message from someone like two or three weeks later, I didn't even rem- remember the gamer tag. And they were just like, oh, thank you. So that club you gave me was so great. It helped me through. <laughs> like it's no longer, I can no longer use it because it's, it's so underpowered now, but it helped me through the early areas big time. And I just want to let you know that I really appreciate that. And I was like, wow, that is awesome. And that's a, a huge reason why I love Dark Souls is just that it's, it's you get not, both. Yeah, you get both. Yeah. You get the satisfaction of going into someone's world and like messing it up, but also you could do the exact opposite, and it's totally up to you. Like you kind of mm-hmm. control that, and it's so, it's so addicting almost. Like I, I love mm-hmm. the idea of 
Um, this used to happen to me on the Four Kings all the time. I would invade in that first New Londo area, and I would go kill somebody, and then I'd get a message, and I'd expect it to be like you know garbage hate mail. And it would be, normally, especially for that area, be like, "Hey, uh, can you help me with the Four Kings? I'm really struggling here." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's yeah. that push and pull that Dark Souls gives you that's so satisfying. Yeah, yeah, and and um, and yeah, and that's. Uh, let me just say because I, I I don't want to forget this, but but the name of this podcast is probably like I don't know that there's a better name for a podcast out there, a Dark Souls related <laughs> podcast, like like Bonfire Side Chat, like that's really clever with the whole you know FDR Fireside Chat thing, mm-hmm. like I love that and how they they integrate that into the intro and everything, but don't give up skeleton like that. Because I still remember, it was in Dark Souls 2 specifically, the first time I came across one of those messages. I think it was in uh, Earthen Peak, um, uh, not or coincidentally, because uh, there's that one spot where the skeleton's sort of like leaning against the wall. Yeah, and <laughs> like kind of looks I like think, he's listening to the wall for somehow, yeah. and just like died there. <laughs> and the, the message said something like, listen, ke- listen carefully, skeleton, or something <laughs> like that. Um, and then just, you know, seeing a lot of these messages that, yeah, they're the ones that say like, don't give up skeleton. And I always thought that that was the coolest thing. And, and so just how it sort of, you know, ties into the theme of the podcast, I think is brilliant. And, uh, are are you familiar with the, the soapstone app? Yes. Or, mm-hmm. uh, so it's for iOS. I don't know if it's also for Android, but, uh, for those unaware, it's, it's an app that you can use to basically write messages in the real world using you know such that if you are walking around a place you can see where there are messages and uh, i think you actually need to be close to the messages in order to see it but um my by far my most upvoted message i think it's something like 12 or 13 um it's a because they they added picture messages a couple years ago and uh i was at an art show i was at an art show in downtown toronto at a, a university called ocad ontario college for art and design and you know it was it was a cool exhibit and was walk around the school but the 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 highlight by far of that trip was walking by one of the classrooms and seeing a skeleton and and uh like you know like one of those you know anatomy classes where they just have the skeleton there and so i took a picture message and and the message that went along with it is uh hurrah for skeleton and <laughs> it's just one of one of my my best so yeah uh, it's my very very long-winded way of saying that yeah one of the coolest names for a podcast in terms of how it relates to the actual material that i've ever seen so it was um it's way better than any of my original ideas which were fucking terrible that i'm not even gonna bother speaking on the podcast um <laughs> and i actually started recording episodes before i had the name picked out uh because i was i was convinced i needed to get ahead and have like content kind of built up before I launched a thing. And um, Mm -hmm. so I was recording with CJ from the very appropriately named twin humanities podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, he said, well, what are you going to call this thing? And I gave him my ideas and he he said, that's rubbish. You should call it. Don't give up skeleton. And I said, that's done. 100% done. So all credit to CJ on the name. He literally named the podcast. So I can't even, that's amazing. Wow. Well, then that was the other one I was going to mention side chat and and you know 20 managers because there's two of them so it's perfect mm-hmm. right but uh but yeah no that's wonderful like really just wonderful name and uh, really encapsulates like the skeleton messages in general really encapsulates i think what is so special about this community 
Exactly. Yeah. The encouragement and the, the trolling, the, the combination of that is something that um, specifically with Dark Souls 1, although it, I mean, it, it of course exists in Dark Souls 2 and Bloodborne and Demon Souls was very well known for this. Uh, but like, you know, just the combination of those two things of having a community of invisible players that support you, that you know is out there going through the same hardships you are, and then also interacting with them and having one come in and kill you. Like that weird mm-hmm. combination is just so good. It's It just feels like something so fresh and unique and i think that's why we've seen other multiplayer other games like try to adopt those weird message systems i don't know if you've played uh near but near does a similar thing now where you get like if you find a dead body you get like a little bit of poetry or something like it's just it's just a it's, it's, it's really like beautiful lines that they've written um and not even necessarily beautiful like some of them are just really striking and it's just kind of fascinating but that there are other players and like you can kind of pray to them or summon them to be your help like you can summon an ai version of them to be your help for a little while and things like that like i don't think we'd have any of that stuff if it wasn't for dark souls coming along specifically demon souls coming along for the first time mm-hmm. yeah well because it's it's the first game at least that i'm aware of that really you can't classify it as solely a pve game but you also can't classify it as a pvp game right because um and it just goes back to what we were saying earlier about uh, so how I, I would see the Souls games is that they're not sort of pre-scripted linear beginning to end with a few branching paths uh, worlds. They are um, at their best, they're possibility spaces in which, you know, you can, you know, w- within reason, like uh, they have to draw the line somewhere, but you can do all of these things within this space of possibilities that, most other games don't even really account for. And, and I don't think in many cases FromSoft really accounts for these possibilities, but they provide the framework within which you can work such that um, you're able to do all these things. Um, I, I don't imagine that they ever intended for players to drop alluring skulls on the bridge in the Iron Keep and have <laughs> somehow shoot them off, things like that. But, I don't think um, they envisioned, and you can see this in the way that they've clamped down on multiplayer throughout the years, like um, and clamped down on PvP stuff over and over again. Like I, I don't think that they ever envisioned the the playground that they gave people to to go and like mess with other players' worlds. I think they wanted to do that a little bit, but I don't like. I really feel like Dark Souls One was lightning in a bottle, and they've been trying to like not necessarily mm. capture it, but they've been trying to reproduce it, but also contain it. So you you know you mentioned this earlier, like your first time going into the burg, you walked in and got invaded, and mm-hmm. they, I think they very since Dark Souls Two have been trying to avoid that. And man, I think. I just don't think that you need to like you're going to like, I'm sure it taught you right then. Like, Oh, Hey, I don't need to be human right here. Like this is a bad place to be Mm -hmm. human. So I'm not going to go human, which is what the game should do. The game should teach you those things. So, well, except that I rely so heavily on summons that I wanted to be human. So, but, but that like the tension that, uh, that emerges from that is part of what makes it so special. And that was, I think by far my largest critique um, or my most uh, significant critique of Bloodborne was that that tension is completely gone, uh, save for two areas, right? Um, and, and that even then, uh, as soon as you find the bell-ringing woman, you kill her, and that's that. Like, no no more concerns about being invaded. And, and tying invaders to... Um, you know, co-op is another thing that I think is kind of... Like, I guess that, that you know, is another way of... Um, producing that tension mm-hmm. between, you know, do I want to be in human form and someone help or not? But, you know, at the same time, like, I feel like a lot was lost in that, like in the sense that I feel like Bloodborne is the best PVE game, but that um, the PVP scene really sort of suffered uh, as a result of the, the whole um, sinister bell mechanic. 
Yes, absolutely. It's really disappointing that 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 all that happened because I think some of the actual PvP encounters I've had in that game are significantly fun. Like they're just it's really a blast even with the lag. Um but you just don't quite you just it's just hard to do and make because you, you're not going to stand up to two people like that's impossible. So Mm-hmm. At least for me, I've never been great at PvP. Like, I, either, I think, yeah. interestingly enough, like other than um, the absurd amount of time I spent in Dark Souls One, invading and like dropping my sign places, was uh, Dark Souls Two was was probably the next closest in terms of the amount of time I spent doing PvP. And in spite of all the soul memory problems um, and the issues that sort of arose from that, that uh, I had a lot of fun doing Dark Souls 2 PvP. And I feel like it's really sort of underrated, but it it just sucks that it took them so long to introduce something like the Agape Ring, which actually made it viable to have low-level sort of uh, PvE and PvP builds um, that, you you know, you could actually just dedicate to a certain area. Um, And then, you know, in addition to that, there's a lack of full-eye orbs and things like that, but we're we're sort of just... uh, rehashing criticisms that I'm sure everyone is aware of. But, but you know, I, I love all three of the Dark Souls games and, and Bloodborne for, for what they are. And I, I think they all have their flaws and they all have um, things that they do really well that the others don't necessarily do. Um, but I, I think just in general, uh, you know, it's hard to sort of look at them apart from, you know, the, the glory that was at least my first time playing th- or for several times playing through it was Dark Souls 1, but also it's it's easy to forget that most other games don't even approach the quality of the likes of Dark Souls 2, right? So, like, it, uh, people often slag off Dark Souls 2, but I would still much rather play Dark Souls 2 than 99% of the other games out there, so... Yeah, like it's it's um it's one of those things about being like um like just because you're not a valedictorian like doesn't mean that you're bad <laughs> at school. <laughs> like you can still be like the second guy with a 3.99 GPA and still be, you know, that's not a bad thing to be. Like it's just not the top. So or you, or you can um, also look Sorry, go on. You mentioned uh you've played four of the games. Is Demon Souls the one that you've missed? Yes, because uh going back to something like 2001, 2002, whenever the original Xbox came out. Um, I was, you know, sort of an Xbox fanboy and, and I, I couldn't bring myself to, cause you know, it was ever since that for, I grew up with, uh, three brothers and a sister and w- we were always, uh, going back to the Sega master system, basically always playing video games. Um, and when Halo, uh, CE came out for the original Xbox, like it was just non first, it was nonstop split, split screen action. And then we actually got a second Xbox and hooked up hooked them up to the the LAN and uh, did four and fours and things like that. And so I was a huge, 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 uh, before I was a Dark Souls uh, fanboy, so to speak, I was a Halo fanboy. Okay. Um, and then Bloodborne was announced. <laughs> and I was like, okay, so, and, and you know, it, this was also alongside all of the, with, you know, Don Matrick and the Xbox One and, and just how, horrifically bad their uh, conception of Xbox One was originally and how they presented it and the whole bundling of the Kinect and all that stuff. And so I was really turned off of of Xbox after that. And then, you know, FromSoft and Sony came along with this new game and I was just like, I've already missed Demon's Souls, but, you know, I can't miss this. (laughs) Um, So yeah, so I splurged and bought a PS4, but yeah, I've still never played um, Demon Souls, and I, I've watched um, 
more than once fronds a German spy, his uh, Demon Souls in Depth, which uh, is a wonderful playthrough. So I know a lot about the game and its story, and I've watched a couple other playthroughs in addition to that. But yeah, I've still never played it myself. I, I still have a PlayStation 3 and Demon Souls on my sort of to-buy list, but as a poor graduate student, unfortunately, uh, I don't know when that's going to be. Um, yeah. But, e- you know, either way, like, don't really have the time to uh, dedicate to a playthrough of it right now, but that is something that I do hope to do in the near future, and uh, I hope that the servers stay up long enough um, for me to be able to do that. Um, sort of, you know... Experience a little in, bit multiplayer at the same time. Yeah, yeah, hopefully. And, and you know, maybe during one of the... Uh, Return to what is it called? Return to Return Balteria? to the Nexus. Return to the Nexus events. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Whenever the next one is, hopefully, um, you know, I'll see if uh, I can get my tax return done before then or something, <laughs> and see because that that would be wonderful. I think. Um, and it's it's a game that I've heard so much about, and that you know, in watching it, it looks mechanically very very similar to Dark Souls One. Um, and you know, there's a lot of stuff that I don't know about it that I would I'd be you know just a door to be able to learn about myself but yeah that's that's the one souls game i've never played well if you ever um if you ever play it if you ever get a chance to play it and you want to come back on and talk about it just let me know i've done several like kind of return visits to previous people that have been on the show so i'd, I'd love to get your opinion on it if you decide to do it sure absolutely yeah i'd love that well, thank you so much for for coming on the show. I, this has been just an absolute delight to sit down and talk to you about all things Souls. Like, this isn't a normal episode where we went through like game by game, but I think that we just it was just a delightful conversation. So, thank you very much for being on the show. Yeah, likewise, it was it was one hundred percent my pleasure. So, thank I just, you very much for inviting me. I wasn't looking at my counter and like we just breezed past my normal like because I usually shut them down. I start shutting it down about 45, 50 minutes in, and we just breezed past that, and I didn't even notice. Yeah, it's been like an hour and ten minutes already. Wow, I didn't even realize it until you you started wrapping up just now. So, well, where um where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on YouTube by just searching for Aegon of Astora. Um, I'm also on Twitch. I don't stream very often, but when I do, you can find me at uh, also Aegon of Astora, but instead of spaces, they're underscores. So, um, yeah, uh, I have a Twitter, but it doesn't really have anything to do with Dark Souls, and I don't generally tweet. So, <laughs> so those totally, are the two places. I totally understand that. Well, thank you again for coming on. This, this has been great. Oh, it was my pleasure. As always, I've been your host, Jeremy Greer. You can find me on Twitter at JG Greer. You can find the podcast at www.don'tgiveupskeleton.com where you can find previous episodes. You can find links to our social media accounts. Check out the Instagram page at Don't Give Up Skellies where I post brief previews of each and every episode so you can get an idea of what you're jumping into. Thanks, as always, for listening. If you have a few minutes, send me an iTunes review. It makes me feel real good. And that, that you want to make someone feel good today, I bet. <laughs> I'm getting goofier and goofier at these exits. This is not great. No, but remember, remember, as always, don't give up skeleton. Yeah, thanks again for having me, man. I'm, I'm looking forward to um, to touching base again once uh, we're both done the DLC because 
yeah the part i'm presently stuck on is uh yeah it's it, i'm almost like i'm gonna go eat dinner and stuff first to try to like uh you know relax a little bit before going mm-hmm. back into the boss fight because it's one of those where i'm just like oh my god how am i gonna beat this and so i you haven't know, seen so since you're beyond me so i went um i got to the swamp in the second area right mm-hmm. and then i kind of explored around that but i didn't really see a way through it so i ended up going like the bonfire that you find in that swamp i ended up going right from there and like mm-hmm. finding a path that direction is that where you went or is that a totally different spot that you haven't been to yet this sounds about right um the basically <laughs> i was was there a dragon there was a dragon yes okay okay so maybe i'm going down the same way so i just fought the dragon that was on like the real thin ledge and then he mm-hmm. I, I like killed him uh, and i thought i killed him but he fell off the ledge and then um i didn't get any souls or anything for it so i'm like and literally like walked into the room after that and then had to cut it off to go podcast <laughs> so. so we were we were pretty much at the same spot then um so so you 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 were at the the there was like a really long and wide staircase near there um so there was the cliff edge where the dragon was blowing fire mm-hmm. and then there was like the weird i don't know like it was it, don't, it reminded me of the catacombs of like where all of the skeletons yep. yeah so i went I, through, I had the exact same thought yeah the <laughs> circular staircase sort of right e- exactly so i went to the top of that and that's where i found like a really long like ledge like a bridge rather like a land bridge yep um and then that's where i fought the skeleton and then that's our skeleton sorry the, the dragon. dragon and then right after that like i had to cut it off so i didn't i didn't go any further than that yeah so so the 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 dragon i was just running so I did note that you can do damage to him, but I'm like, oh man, I'm not doing very much damage at all. So maybe I'll just run by. Yeah, I um, was doing 128 damage with a two-hand R2 of a maxed out Moonlight Great Sword. It was pretty ridiculous. And so was it like the Great Wolf in the first DLC where like you get him down to like 25% and then it just sort of uh, pieces out? I, I drained it. Like I killed, I, I like took away all, all the of way his down, health. And then it just and, fell, and he, you were saying, And right? like it had a, like a custom falling animation where he was like scrabbling at the ledge or whatever. Um, and then I couldn't believe I did it. Like I was, I was, I went to it. I went through it and was thinking like, Oh, I'm immediately going to die. <laughs> but if you, if you stayed under him, like his, a lot of his, uh, fire attacks would, would not hit you for full, uh, damage. It would just like take away a little bit of my life. So as long as I watched out for his swipes and stuff, like I just kind of dodged around. Like I went through all of my Estus. I went through like 10 Estus doing it. But, like <laughs> yep. that's no big deal. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> so. The bonfire's right there at least. So yeah, no, that's, that's pretty funny because I just ran like, that dragon i was just running by it as part of my runbacks um so so yeah so we're, we're pretty much in the same spot so but now that i know that you can actually like you know do enough damage to it to, to get it to go away i think that's going to be the first thing that i do in the next episode so <laughs> um actually before i go yeah. i should um for your show notes mm-hmm. um let me so there was the. I'll, I'll provide you a couple of links in case anyone's interested in the episodes I was talking about. So yeah, to the if if that's if that's something that um, one hundred percent include links. Yeah. So okay. um, I was gonna I was gonna close out with some stuff too because um, what'll happen is this episode is scheduled.